Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 69 of the Football Absurdity Podcast. My name is Jeff Crisco, and I have a very nice episode ready to go with my co-hosts, Evan Hoobler and Mike Valverde. Today's date is Friday, May 22nd, 2020. Happy birthday to my lovely wife, who turns undetermined age on Monday. Happy <laughs> She turns it. She turns her her new age on Monday. Um, but we are here to talk fantasy football. But first, I want to check in with my boys. Mike, how are you doing today? I am doing really well. Um, just moving forward with this COVID, I think things are starting to look up a little bit. So I'm I'm itching itching to get into some restaurants and eat my favorite meals. So hopefully that will turn out pretty soon. Yeah, I was going to ask if you were. Waiting to uh, not leave your house by choice rather than yeah. <laughs> by mandate. Right. Because <laughs> every time I've asked you about it, it's been, well, you know, not much has changed. Not much has changed. Not at all. But I am I am wanting to get to a restaurant. That is for sure. What's yeah. the, rest, the first restaurant you're going to go to? Casa Ramos. Casa Ramos. Yes, sir. Somebody doesn't pay attention to our <laughs> own episodes. Because oh, you wanted to go to like. First, though, not what's your favorite. Yeah, well, you wanted to go to, was it like Bitchin' Biscuits or something? Oh, yeah, Biscuit Bitch. Yeah, that's that one. It's the that actual one. name, people. That's not, we didn't slip something past the censors here. <laughs> that's the name of the restaurant. Evan, how are you? How are the boys doing? You guys uh, going insane yet? Uh, it's pretty good. It's been a great day. My wife is gonna, has a, had a... Had a ominous phone call with her office admin because she's nowhere near the billing hours that she usually has like nowhere near it but the admin was like super chill i was like yeah no that's everybody so yeah i'd have to assume that uh much like everybody else the the wheels of your wife's law firm have kind of started to slow down a little bit i kept telling her that my wife was worried i'm like dude this is probably the 20th call they've had to make today yeah my so my wife is the chief operations officer of a company that um when everything first started to to stop they do um networking stuff for enterprises large companies she had nothing to do for like two weeks because everybody was trying to figure out how to work from home and she was getting super worked up because she was just sitting at home twiddling her thumbs and she said if i were me i would fire myself because i have nothing to do and i was like whoa calm down calm down so yeah everybody had to adjust and is adjusting to this much slower version of the world um so for my wife my wife is (laughs) still yeah the mental hospital is still filled they they keep getting people um so yeah it's, it's routine for her pretty much still rocking and rolling so let's get rocking and rolling with our housekeeping of up off the top. So if you found us through the website footballabsurdity.com or through our Twitter, FBallAbsurdity, you can subscribe to this podcast wherever you choose. We are everywhere. And when you go to subscribe to it, go ahead and leave us a rating and a review. We would love that. And then go ahead and tell our friends. If you want some more content from us, you can subscribe to us on Patreon. It is a mere $3 a month and you get the missing episodes, as I guess you could call them, because right now during the off season, we're going every other week in the main feed, every other week in the Patreon feed. But if you do sign up for that Patreon, you do get some unique and interesting content other than the podcast. I was talking to Mike and Evan before this today or tomorrow up on the Patreon. I am going to post my quarterback luck rankings, and it's not number one, Andrew. Uh, <laughs> 
It is. I figured out a way to quantify quarterback luck, and it definitely wasn't to silence people who said that Jimmy Garoppolo was just super lucky last year because, spoiler alert, he was one of the unluckier quarterbacks by my methodology, and it was just an interesting way of calculating it. I was described it as, if you're familiar with BABIP in baseball, batting average on balls in play, basically the things that are out of the uh, quarter, the pitcher's control. I found those things in quarterbacks and I measured that, figured it out against league average and um, gave you the list of luckiest court and unluckiest quarterbacks in the league. We this also might have be the piece that I'm looking forward to the most. It, it feels insanely useful because if they were super lucky, you can expect a regression. And mm -hmm. if you're super unlucky, you can expect them to do better. There's going to be a little preview of what I found in that uh, later on in this episode as a, a little tease there. Um, some of the results of the lucky and unlucky quarterbacks had me look closer at a player. And I think I'm getting excited about a particular quarterback from uh, those ranks. If you want to find a cool design shirt, you can go to the link in the podcast. We have a shirt off of Tee Public um, that I designed last year that hopefully picks up some steam this year. I just, it's hard to design a beer sheets shirt uh, in September or October when I did it after everybody stopped looking at beer sheets. So <laughs> hopefully we'll have that uh, going again this year. And uh, oh, you can join the discussion with us at uh, Discord uh, on Discord at tiny.cc slash absurdity. So I think that got everything out of the way. So, boys, it's draft season again. Well, draft season is starting. We did some mock drafts. It's time to get back to. We started it last week. I need you guys to pick your poison. So if this is your first time hearing pick your poison, what it is is basically I pick three guys that I have some thematic element to them. Last week in the bonus episode, it was three rookie running backs that happened to be my second tier running backs at their ADP, asking the boys which one they preferred. This week... There are three sophomore wide receivers going between wide receiver 25 and wide receiver 30. They're also going picks 50 between picks 50 and 65 ish, 66. And uh, that those guys are Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf and Terry McLaurin. So, gentlemen, before we get into the bulk of this episode, let's pick some poison and then we'll unveil the what we'll, what we'll be doing this week for the folks. So, Evan, Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, or Terry McLaurin? Which DK poison are Metcalf. DK Metcalf and Metcalf. 4K? Best quarterback. Excuse me? Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. You're right. <laughs> I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is okay, but he was way too lucky last year. That can't happen Excuse again. Excuse you. <laughs> Yeah, that's all right, it. So, so they're, all, they're all equal talented, I think, and they're all second-year guys, so uh, just give me the one with the quarterback. Yeah, all right, Mike, what about you? Debo Samuel, easy, without a doubt. Yeah, that's clear to me. Um, DK Metcalf, he runs one route. And McLaurin runs one run route. What does Debo do? Multiple routes, multiple runs, uh, just PPR points all over the place. Yeah, I, Debo, for sure. Okay. The uh, first of all, that's the correct answer. Uh, no, <laughs> my answer. We actually all. I, I'm going with DK Metcalf, um, just because even though he only want, runs one route, when you're as fast and as big as DK Metcalf is, you can get away with that a little bit, um, which is what he was doing last year to people. But um, for going back to Debo Samuel, because that that's you're the difference on this one, Mike, and I'm surprised it's uh, you choosing Debo over DK and not me. 
Um, what makes you or does does the Brandon Ayuk edition worry you for Debo? Yeah. No, no, not at all. I I, I think Ayuk is going to have a role in the offense, of course, because you know they don't pick him with the first in the first round just to have him sit on the bench. But uh, I I think if anything, it's probably going to help Debo even more. Uh, and as we saw with Sanders too, uh, when Sanders came in, that's when probably and you probably know better, but I think that's when sort of Debo started to take off even more. Uh, so I, I kind of see the same thing where Ayuk is, is going to be beneficial uh, for Debo instead of a um, negative effect. Um, yeah, so having Sanders around did help Debo, but it was kind of a confluence of a few factors at once. Um, the addition of Emmanuel Sanders, the injury to George Kittle that cost him a couple games gave Debo Samuel more opportunity, uh, the sidelining of Dante Pettis by the 49ers, and the injury to um, Marquise Goodwin, the kind of sidelining of Marquise Goodwin, all kind of con- I, con- I, I, conspired. I have a question for you on this. Yeah. Okay. So when Kittle went out and mm-hmm. Dwelly, I think, came in, mm-hmm. what obviously Dwelly is not Kittle, but Dwelly wasn't really bad, was he? I mean, I, 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 if I can remember right, he, he performed um, up to his, his standard or – even above. Uh, so I don't think, I, I don't think um, it'll be out was maybe that much of a factor. Well, um, Dwelly, Dwelly, he had, so if you look at Dwelly overall, he, I think he's, he started two games cause that those were the games that Kittle missed. And um, I'm pulling up the game logs here. He had 12 targets in those two games. He didn't have a lot of targets, but what he did was he had the luck of playing against Arizona. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> that was uh, week 11 last year. I was like, guys, if this was there was a big argument about if you could start anybody against Arizona last year, any tight end, because they were garbage. They were dog censored because this is a family show. Um, Evan's choice in restaurants, not uh, with withstanding. <laughs> um, but he scored those two touchdowns against Arizona. And there was an argument against can you start any tight end against Arizona and then Ross Welly showed yeah you can start any tight end against Arizona so I mean uh, Kittle got hurt in the week nine game against Arizona they played Arizona twice in three weeks and in, in starting week nine 10 11 there's four targets seven targets and five targets for Dwelly so he did have more targets but if you look at Debo Samuel's um target load let me pull that up real quick right here Debo Samuel in those games, he had uh, so he had he had his season high to that point in the Arizona game where Kittle got hurt with seven targets. Then the next week he had eleven targets for 112 yards. Then the next week he had ten targets for 134 yards. Then the Green Bay game, the Green Bay Sunday Night Football shellacking, Kittle comes back. Debo has two targets. Next game, Debo has four targets. So. Towards the end of the season, though, he did pop back up eight targets and eight, three, six, and five targets in the last four games, which you can see where Debo had that big breakout with Kittle hurt or gone. And mm-hmm. then as soon as Kittle came back, those targets kind of dried up a little bit. Gotcha. Yeah, what? but I'm he did. Sanders, ma- uh, Sanders came in. Sanders' first game was the first Arizona game where Kittle got hurt. Okay. But that game was weird for the 49ers because the 49ers, I mean, close your eyes, 2020 49ers. You're picturing Raheem Mostert. You're picturing Matt Breida. You're picturing uh, Tevin Coleman running the football. That game, they had Jimmy Garoppolo. They just unleashed Jimmy Garoppolo that game. 
he had all four touchdowns uh, and he threw for 317 yards. So that was kind of a weird game for the 49ers because there was a lot of passing involved. Whereas the 49ers generally don't have as much passing as they had in that first Arizona game. So there was a lot more opportunity. Were they down in that game, like for most of that game too? Uh, No, that was the, so the 49ers game at home two weeks later was the one where it was more, uh, where it was more uh, back and forth. The 49ers were up uh, 28 to 14 after three quarters in this game. Oh, okay. Yeah, they were kind of cruising in that one. And the the Cardinals made it closer than it seemed because they scored 14 points in the fourth quarter. So, um oh well yeah okay yeah Makes sense. yes so there was so the debo thing my, my whole harping on debo thing is that my only question is targets he's a very talented guy but it's the targets are the question um so okay we'll we'll uh we'll skip out on the debo samuel discussion hour um if you'd like a dis- uh, dedicated debo samuel discussion um we can uh uh do that another time so um, I'm sorry. I'm just very paranoid about turning this into a 49ers podcast. <laughs> I'm very <laughs> hesitant to do that because I could easily do that. And I think we'd be better served by talking some fantasy football. So on this episode, what we're going to do is last week we talked to guys we're excited to talk about. And again, that's in the Patreon feed, patreon.com slash football absurdity, three bucks a month. You can get access to that this week. We're talking breakouts. Breakouts mean something different to whoever you ask. We have three different definitions of breakouts in this particular podcast group. We There's no standardized thing. So what we decided uh, was guys going between rounds six and 10, so mid-round picks, that have a chance to return top three round upside. They can they can come back as you know top five at their position on a onesie position like a tight end or quarterback, or you know top 15 at a running back and wide receiver. So what we did is uh, we did this on based on a 12-team league. So we're looking at picks 60 to 120 uh, guys going in that range. And we're just going to talk about some guys that we think could have a big breakout season this year. Or for some of these guys, that one of the guys I chose that are, we may or may not talk about, it's a bounce back. Some of these, it's a value proposition. It's not necessarily a guy who hasn't done this before. I kind of see breakout or breakouts and rebound guys as being in sort of the same category, guys who's 2019 is informing negative negatively informing their 2020 draft stock so gentlemen any in any burning desire to go first i also be evaluating these things in terms of auction dollars as well in terms of rounds so if you like auction stick around yes evan is our not, just stick around anyway if you like anything that was kind of yeah silly. so all right evan you talked first so you kick it off all right. Well, one person that's going after or in round six, one person that's going consistently around six and seven that is great in drafts is Dak Prescott. All right. uh, was, we've said it the time and time again, he was the second overall fantasy quarterback last year and his team got better offensively. Why is he not in among the top three picks? Why is he falling so far? Uh, yeah, I, I'd be shocked if he doesn't start to go up the ranks, uh, especially in leagues where people actually could take quarterbacks early. Maybe that's it. Maybe I've been doing a lot of analyst drafts, and analysts are notorious for not picking quarterbacks. But why Why are people just shying away from Dak Prescott here? Yeah, I don't know. That's weird, um, especially because I was looking at some ADP data, and um, last year the second quarterback off the board was in the fifth round. And now it's it's uh what uh what quarterback rank is he? Is he the fifth quarterback? Yeah. 
Fourth so, or fifth in most. Oh, we're gonna, oh, according to the thing we're looking at here. Okay. Uh, fifth. Fifth. Okay. So he's the fifth quarterback off the board. Okay. So, uh, Mike, what do you think about Dak Prescott? There is it. Let, let's do this. Mike, play devil's advocate. Why is why is Dak Prescott gone so low? Well, I, I think for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, I don't think a tight end who. Okay, l- let me explain a little bit about Dak Prescott. Okay, Uh-oh. Dak Prescott is a quarterback that needs the wide receivers and tight ends to run precise routes. If they're they're not in the position that he needs them to be, he panics. Uh, he, he he also has difficulty with reading progressions. He'll he'll be the type of quarterback that'll see one guy um, if he's covered, then he then he panics and starts going elsewhere. Uh, so there's a lot of difficulties with Dak Prescott. I mean, overall, great skills. I mean, he fits in tight windows. He does all the throws, but he gets scattershot whenever there's pressure. Whenever that whenever that pocket starts getting muddy, he panics. So there's a lot of problems with that. And that's why a lot of the turnovers come from him. Uh, and he excels. If you look at 2018 when he had, I think he was sacked like 56 times, he had one of his worst seasons. You look upon this year and 2019, he was sacked like 26 times and he had one of his better years. So it, I think that directly attested that. And then, I don't know, maybe John Kitten, who came in for just one season, uh, helped him a lot. But now Kitten is gone. I mean, that's speculative, but, you know, Kitten could have developed him even more so. I It's just hard to say. And then, that RPO system, maybe, you know, my speculation on Will and um, Ezekiel Elliott's wrong. Maybe they're just going to run the ball a ton, even though they have all these great wide receivers. So I, I think all those sort of come into play. Um, maybe he, he feels like, you know what, Cowboys don't respect me enough to pay me the money I want to get paid or the contract years I want to get paid. So I just want to bounce out of here. So that's going to be my attitude towards this season. I think there's just very many reasons why you can look at him not finishing in the top five. Well done, Jeff. Did you know that Mike had all this information against Dak Prescott, or did Mike just step up like in a few seconds and, and tear <laughs> Dak Prescott apart? I had no idea that Mike uh, hated Dak Prescott so much. Good. <laughs> well, great job, Mike. That was very insightful. Uh, one place Dak Prescott is not a steal is an auction because every auction I've been in, and there are actual all human auctions going on now uh, on Yahoo. It's starting to fill out. Uh, which is great. Uh, all it takes is two people to think like I think about Dak Prescott, at least before Mike started talking, uh, and he'll go way up. He's going for $18, uh, I usually, is what I'm seeing. And uh, that hey, don't spend $18 on a quarterback. Just get like Matt Stafford for a buck or two and spend the extra $17 getting some higher-tier running backs, you know? Yeah, that's $18 bucks is a lot. What is uh... – where does that rank behind uh, Mahomes and Lamar Jackson? How much are they going for? Mahomes is going for about 43. And, okay. and uh, uh, Lamar, no, Lamar's going for 43, and Mahomes is going for about high 30s. Okay. So I was just wondering. Because everybody's nuts about those two people. Yeah, I, I was just curious about what the, the market looked like. Um, so, all right. Uh, uh, Mike, after giving that long. Uh, Rant against Dak Prescott. I will give you a chance to talk about a guy that you actually like. So, uh, who who do you want to talk about? Who is your first uh, breakout? Well, with Evans' leeway, Matthew Stafford. Uh, so, I think 
right now, Matthew Stafford is going as a QB 13, probably 13 to 15, mm-hmm. uh, about pick 98 overall, and that's just criminal. Uh, <laughs> so, Q, you know, important things, offensive line, right? Well, the offensive line for the day, Lions ranked 11th in the NFL last year. Weapons, who do they have Matthew Thr- Stafford to throw to? Well, Kenny Galladay, Golden Tate, Danny Amendola, TJ Hawkinson, so hopefully he can improve. And DeAndre Swift. So the weapons are plentiful and all over the place. Mm-hmm. Last year, he played in eight games. What did he throw for? Almost 2,500 yards and 19 touchdowns. If you round that up to 16, that's, on, that's almost 5,000 yards and 38 touchdowns. His completions, 64% of his passes are, are complete. With, and a downfield thrower that he is, that's just insane. Um, and then if you look at his game, eight games that he performed in, he had four games that were top five performances. He finished fourth, fifth, second, and fifth in those eight games and had one 13, 28, and 21. So a little mixture in there, but five, four games and a top five performance out of eight. I mean, so right there, it proves that he's easily a top five quarterback going in and he's going in at QB 13. Yeah. And just to piggyback off of that, because uh, Stafford was one of the guys that I, I had prepared to talk about. Um, here's a list of quarterbacks who had more fantasy points per game than Matt Stafford last year. Uh, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott. And with yeah, Prescott that's... and Watson, it's like 0.3 more mm-hmm. and 0.2 more. It's yeah. pretty much the same. But that's the whole list. So that gives you an idea of Stafford. And we all have this idea in our mind that Stafford is injury pr- is fragile and he's going to miss games. He missed his first games since 2010 last year. Now, he had a back fracture. People are like, oh, well, backs, they definitely don't get better. A back fracture is different than pulling a muscle in your back. You know, it's a different type of injury. So I don't worry about Matt Stafford this year. So I agree with you, Mike. Um, I'm full speed ahead on on Matthew Stafford, especially. It looks like his ADP is 115, quarterback 13. That's perfect. That's you're waiting and waiting and waiting on quarterback and getting a guy that you can start week in and week out. Uh, Evan, what do you feel about Matt Stafford? Yep, I love him. Like I said, he's going for a buck or two in most places. In fact, today I was in an auction, and I had one slot left, and it was an hour and a half into the auction, and somebody who didn't have a starting quarterback nominated Matt Stafford for a dollar, and you could tell that they were waiting and waiting for the perfect time to get him. Mm -hmm. And I saw they had maximum $5, so just to be a jerk, I bid $5 and got him. Uh, Oh, come on. Ah, whatever. I'm out for blood in auctions. So that's the most I've seen him go for, so that $5. And any time you can get a quarterback for under 5 bucks, well, actually, every time you should get a quarterback for under 5 bucks. So, yeah, I am in the Matt Stafford thing. I'm probably going to end up with him on a lot of my auction rosters. All right, then, yeah. Um, I am I, probably going to end up with a lot of Matthew Stafford as well because he is uh, screaming value, um, especially – like you said, in an auction where he's going for a buck, you don't have to triangulate as much when you're going to get him like you do in a um, in a uh, uh, standard snake auction because it's, uh, it's a little hard to know when to pull that trigger. So um, let me go ahead. I will go on to the quarterback that I want to talk about um, while we're, we're working on this trend. It is Mr. Matt Ryan. So Matt Ryan, I think uh, he, we talked about it last week. Mike, I think you brought it up. He kind of has this up and down trend. 
with his with his seasons. He has a good season, has a bad season, has a good season, has a bad season. He's a starting quarterback right now, but he is going off the board at pick 83. He's quarterback nine off the board. And one thing that I really um, was looking at was Matt Ryan's interception total last year. So Matt Ryan was tied for fifth in the league. I'm sorry, sixth in the league with 14 interceptions. And this quarterback luck article that I was working on that I that I put together, one of the things that it looks at is the number of interceptable passes by the player profile metric that convert into interceptions. The league average is 51% of interceptable passes become interceptions. So that's that has nothing to do with the, the number of passes thrown. That has nothing to do with the quality of the passes because these are all junk passes. They're, they're, they're bad passes by definition because they're interceptable. So league average is about 51%. So I'll, I'll put it on you guys. How... What percent of Matt Ryan's interceptable passes do you guys think became interceptions? Pretty low, I would imagine. I would, uh, I think if I remember some of the games that I've seen, they were like tips off of a wide receiver or stuff like that. So um, I'm going to go, I don't know. I don't know what, what that metric is, but I'm going to say low, like 2% or something like that. Okay. Evan, what do you think? 20%. 87.5% of Matt Ryan's interceptable... Oh, right, yeah, because he was unlucky. I get it. Yeah, of his interceptable passes became interceptions. 87.5%. The number two guy was Baker Mayfield, which was 72%. So that so gives you an idea... So five out of every six times, but six out of every seven times, he just threw it and it was a little off, it got picked? Seven out of every eight times. Dang. <laughs> seven out of every <laughs> yeah, eight times. Oh my gosh! So uh, staring down the receiver, or staring (laughs) just like, "Hey, you! I'm going to go to you." Well, no, this is this is his. He had very few inters. He was middle of the pack in terms of number of passes that could be picked off. He didn't make that many interceptable passes. But the problem was, was all the DBs that he was thrown against came down with the football. So he was extremely unlucky in that regard or playing against quality defensive backs, but it's something that's out of his control where, like I said, the league average is about just about half of interceptable passes become interceptions. And I don't grade these as interceptable passes. That's player profile. These are already bad passes, but 87 and a half percent of Matt Ryan's interceptable passes became interceptions. That is insane. He only threw 16 interceptable balls, which ranked him tied for 15th. Like for example, Jameis Winston threw 49. Uh, Mike, cover your ears. Phillip Rivers was second with 36 interceptable passes. Matt Ryan threw only 16 interceptable passes, but had 14 interceptions. And everybody else who had 17 or fewer interceptable passes had single-digit interceptions. So you're talking about extreme bad luck there. on what yeah, are, that, is, that, that sounds extremely unlucky. Yeah, so that's very unlucky. So one guy that I'm looking at is Matt Ryan. Now, Matt Ryan did come out to be extremely um, unlucky last year because of that. And um, he was the 27th luckiest quarterback last year out of 32 that I graded. And um, his drops were great, but I don't see his drops changing because he's throwing to Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones <laughs> most of the right. time. So, so yeah. I think those are, those are going to stay stay where they are but yeah matt ryan threw um very few bad passes which i graded as interceptable passes and um uh there's something called uncatchable passes and so he threw very 
low percentage of his passes were uh, bad passes, but he had one of the highest interception conversion rates in the league. So Matt Ryan, he's going to bounce back by sheer luck alone. Even if you don't think Calvin really takes a step forward, even if you don't think that Todd Gurley will do more for this offense than Devonta Freeman did last year by sheer luck alone, Matt Ryan is going to take a step forward this year. And he's going um, as the ninth quarterback off the round, uh, off the board in pick 83. So that's my guy. Um, do you guys want to talk about Matt Ryan? Do you have anything to add? Um, I, I'm okay. So I'm a little confused. So, okay, when when I was talking about his, him being unlucky with a lot of his interceptions, mm-hmm. you, then that that score would have been not at two percent, would have been a higher percent because you're looking at unlucky as a category, correct? Yes. So you you just had your your numbers upside down. That's all. You you had your you had the right idea, but you had your your numbers flipped. Gotcha. Yeah, because you were saying that it was a very low number of of, of uh, bad passes that turned, but yeah, you just had the numbers split. That's all. <laughs> they spent their third round pick on a center. Yeah, so they they did spend a third round pick on a center, and um, they do have they spent two first round picks on offensive linemen last year. So they should be able to uh, be much better this year uh, along the line. So Evan is uh, Matt Ryan in the the Bucker two territory in in drafts that you're finding. Yep, yep. Uh, the back end of the six through twelve or the eight through twelve ranked quarterbacks usually go for a buck or two. So that's again why I'm like don't pay more than five dollars. I'm coming out with my auction my auction values chart, and it's really hard for me not to put like. The tier one guys at just $7 each and then everybody else at $5 or less. Yeah, I can see that being difficult for you um, to gonna, try to, I, try I, to I, differentiate. I I do it. Just going to have to do it. And then I can spend all that extra money uh, ranking the top end players better. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You really need pennies when you're talking about your quarterbacks, like $7 and one cent to differentiate between $7 and 12 cents. You know, the, the guys that you like slightly more, but you can't do that, so um, we'll go ahead and move on here. We'll go to Mike. Mike, who is the second guy that you think will have a breakout year or you think is a good value pick? Okay, so I actually had Daniel Jones, but we'll skip him. Uh, I'm going to sort of get into the running backs now. That, enough quarterbacks. Enough quarterbacks. Come on, enough quarterbacks. Uh, plus, you know, I really don't know if he's going to be, you know, more like a Danny Nichols than a Danny Dimes, so we'll just we'll just skip that. Danny Porters. Danny quarters um so my running back it's gonna be it's gonna take some some luck it was speaking of luck it's gonna take some luck for this guy darius guys running back nine oh. pick 81 all right did you did you put darius guys down on there no god no oh uh, i was actually surprised with the, your reaction i'm like that doesn't sound like jeff but no i was like <laughs> um so, as we know, Darius Geis has just been an injured. I mean, he's basically an IR dude. But if you look at his college, he, he just ran wild. He ran for 2,638 yards and 26 touchdowns in total of his sophomore and junior season. So, he can get it done. And it was one of the reasons why he was such a high draft choice, uh, second pick or second round pick for the Redskins. But... He tore his ACL in the preseason of his rookie year. And then last year, he missed 11 games. So he's played in five games in two seasons. And, you know, that's just not good. But 
in those five games, 245 yards, two scores, and 5.8 yards per carry. So when he's on the field, he's catching the ball, he's running. I mean, he, he looks, I mean, you can go back to his tape last year and see that every game that he played, he was a top, probably top one uh, RB1. He's just outstanding. And then you look at what his competition is, and there's really not much of anything there. Bryce Love, I, I don't even know if that guy's ever going to run it down, in, in, you know. Um, and all the other running backs that are just filled there are not anything that's a threat to his time. The only threat to Darius Geis' time is whether he can stay healthy. And that's asking a lot, but I think if he can, if he can play at least 14 games, this guy can easily be an RB one. I mean that, but that's that's the question with Geis, and that's why his ADP is so low. Um, is that can he play all those games? Um, and so far, within with two seasons under his belt, he has not shown that. But where we're looking at him right now, which you know, let me scroll, let me scroll, let me scroll. Running back twenty six, uh, pick number seventy three and a half on average off the board. That's um that's where you start to take your upside swings, but that also speaks to um and Evan will get to you on how much he's going for an auction, but that also speaks to if he's running back twenty six off the board, a guy who through two years has not been able to stay on the field, you gotta get some top running backs. I was looking at it today. I was I was putting together my wide receiver ranks. I cannot. I need about 35 top 24 slots for wide receivers. But Darius Geis being running back 26 kind of tells me all you need to know about picking early running backs in this in this um in this draft because that's rough. That is bleak. So Evan, where is Darius Geis going in auction drafts and what do you think about him? He's all over the place. I've seen him go for $15. This morning I got him for $2. He's valued when, when it says average value or whatever, when you take to the auction, he's valued at 12, which is far too high. If you're spending 12 bucks on a running back, you either want somebody who could take a huge step up like Kareem Hunt's going for the, about the same amount of money. Um, Sony Michelle, Keyshawn Vaughn, they're all going for the same amount of money. Uh, or you want a high floor, boring, Bi-week fill-in. Like Jordan Howard's going for a few bucks less. He might be, I say, for five to ten points in a bye week uh, Yeah, so I, I bet two bucks on him because I'm like, why not? That's a lottery ticket. It's two bucks. So I would put him right around, I would pay five bucks for him, I think. You know, that's as much as I want to spend on a lottery ticket. Okay. Marks. Sounds good um, for that. So, um as Evan takes a, a moment to yell at his kids. <laughs> um, so yeah, my, my take on Geis is um, I would, I would prefer if he was two rounds later, if we were talking um, around pick, we'll say 84 instead of pick 72, I'm sorry, 94 instead of pick 72, then I'd be a lot happier around pick 100. So since Evan's abdicating his turn right now, we'll come back to him. And I'm going to take a guy who has the exact same ADP as Darius Geis. Um, that would be Mr. Kareem Hunt. And I mean, what do we have to say about Kareem Hunt? He's extremely talented. He was not all that amazing um, last year on a, 
final numbers basis, but that's because he missed half the games last year. But once he came in, he was a target machine for Cleveland. He had five and a half targets per game, which he turned into uh, just over four and a half receptions. And um, he ended up with exactly um, 10 touches per game. And he turned that into 58 yards. That 5.8 yards per touch is really good. And um, it's a far cry from what he had before in KC because in KC he was the man, 109 yards per game and 111 yards per game in 2018 and 17. But he has a chance to really challenge Nick Chubb for true one a true one B role in Cleveland where they're splitting this down the middle. And if there's an offense that I feel okay splitting down the middle. It's Kevin Stefanski's offense because that offense is built to put running backs in a position to succeed. We saw Dalvin Cook do it last year, and um, it's the sort of thing where maybe he doesn't have top five upside as long as Nick Chubb's there. But he does. He's running back 27 right now, and he could easily become running back 15 when all is said and done without really without it being too crazy a, a proposition. And. It's just one of those things where if Nick Chubb gets hurt, Kareem Hunt could be a league winner. So I'm going to take that swing on Kareem Hunt here at running back 27. And I have been taking him and I, in pretty much the seventh round everywhere. Every time I've been drafting, Kareem Hunt's been sitting there in the seventh round. I've scooped him up and I felt very good about it. Because of this, you have kind of the situation where Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, I mean, one's not definitively amazingly better than the other one. And really it depends on what you value in a running back, which one you think is better. But Nick Chubb's going at the end of the first round and Kareem Hunt's going in the seventh. Well, I'm going to take that seventh round pick every time. And, you know, if they both end up somewhere around running back 12 to 15, one of these guys is going to be a bust. And one of these guys is going to be an amazing value pick and a potential league winner. So I'm scooping up Kareem Hunt uh, at pick 73 all day. And that prices me out of Darius Geis. And, and Mike, you want to take that swing on Darius guys. I want to take that swing on Kareem hunt. So there's no problem the you know, taking your swing at, at guys, but what has you leaning guys over hunt? I would, I, I would guess say. Yeah, I think what it really comes down to for me is that. I mean, I, it's, it's really half, half a dozen in, in another really, but just because I think, Kareem Hunt is more solidified in a dual role than Darius Geis is. Uh, this is Darius Geis is going to be a, you know, full-time back in Washington where Kareem Hunt is full-time split role. Now, both, as you mentioned, Hunt, and if, if uh, Chubb goes down, then I, there's no problem at all. I take, take Kareem Hunt any day over Darius Geis if Chubb, Chubb is out of the backfield, but just because both of them are going to be fighting for time and Darius Geis is a bell cow, that's that's probably why I would go lean towards Geis over time. All right. That is more than fair. And I think we're still short in Evan. Um, he's, Evan, are you back yet? I'm here. Okay. We are, we, we are back. Uh, Evan is back. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about Kareem Hunt in auctions and, and your thoughts on Kareem Hunt? Well, I think I mentioned this, but he's going for twelve dollars, the exact same amount as Darius Geis. Mm-hmm. But that only he only gets bids of twelve or more if he's nominated early, when people have a lot of money, and even sometimes not then. And usually he's nominated late because his name's way down the list. And every time I've been getting him, 
because I'll bid up to nine bucks for them, which is a, a king's ransom when you're late in the draft. Uh, and usually people don't even have that much money. He's got the he's I don't know how to put this in statistical terms, but it's so weird to have a guy going that late whose floor is so high and ceiling is so high. You know, because he's always going to catch those passes, even if Chubb's there and he's having an off day. So if, as long as you get points for reception or half points, he's going to have a floor. And like you said, if Chubb gets injured, he's, a, he's an RB1. Uh, I want to point out that you mentioned he played eight games. So if you take his fantasy points last year and double them, he's right at the back end of RB2s, right around 22nd, 23rd. So, yeah, this guy needs to start moving up some boards. All right. Yeah. So Evan, since I skipped you because you were uh, dealing uh, with your uh, your boys, <laughs> um, why don't you uh, walk us through uh, your your third your second guy that you want to talk about? Dealing implies I have much more control than I actually. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, how about how about Terry? Oh, n- no. Right. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Uh, I'll take this now, Malcolm. One minute. Terry McLaurin. If Haskins, he's already good. He's going around round six. Uh, If Haskins takes the step up, many second-year quarterbacks do, it's going to be good. That's about it. He's got the talent. I want to say they both played Ohio State, so they have rapport, but we've seen time and time again that doesn't translate. Well, yeah. Um, How much is he going for in auctions that you see? Usually, he's there... Let's see, McLaurin. Just off the top of my head, he's listed at $16. He's in that group of wide receiver twos where one of them always drops, but it might not be him. I've seen him go for 16 to 20. Uh, the other day I got him for $2. So uh, just in that, in that list, sometimes he's a good buy, sometimes he's not. Uh, I don't think wide receiver twos who are going for $16 and up are a good deal because, like I said, barbecue strategy, someone always falls. Mm-hmm. But sometimes so, it's him, and I'm thrilled to get him for under ten bucks. Yeah. So, uh, so okay. So Terry McLaurin was a, was one of the guys that I wanted to talk about. I need to stop going third because uh, I keep getting my guys uh, poached by you folks. But I want to talk about Terry McLaurin um, and the opportunity that he has in Washington. So in the last five years, he ranked number six in targets for rookie wide receivers. He had 93 targets last year. And I want to read down a list of these guys. And I want you to tell me if these guys are pretty good players who've had at least 90 targets in their rookie year. This is over the last five years. Calvin Ridley, pretty good. Deontay Johnson, pretty good. Jerry's still out. He was a rookie last year, just like uh, Terry. Will Fuller, pretty good if he can stay healthy. Then we got Scary Terry. We got Cooper Cup with 94. Pretty good. DK Metcalf, 100 his rookie year. Pretty good. Sterling Shepard, not bad. Uh, then we get kind of way out of the range where you say at least 90 and it, it's it's not quite that because you got Michael Thomas with 121 his rookie year and Amari Cooper with 130 his rookie year. They're in a whole different stratosphere. These are guys within their fa- last five seasons to get at least 90 targets their rookie year. That is one, an arbitrary cutoff and two, <laughs> an insane opportunity because I would not have pegged Terry McLaurin for 93 targets last year. We kept, there was a big discussion about whether or not we should drop Terry McLaurin. It kept going back and forth. We kept having discussions on the podcast. Uh, I remember writing an article in early November about hang on to Terry McLaurin. He has a good stretch coming up and not going to name any names, but a certain two co-hosts on this podcast told me that I was crazy for trying to hang on to Terry McLaurin when he wasn't producing. 
But he did. He's talking about you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, he did do well. I'm a big fan of Terry McLaurin. I think he's going to do great things this year. Um, and his uh, his ADP right now. This is according to Fantasy Pros. Uh, they have two sources. He's wide receiver 31. He's number 66 off the board overall. He is one of the guys that I need about 35 picks in the top 24 wide receivers because I want to have him in there. There's just no freaking room for him. So there's some great value, which, Evan, you talked about last week um, when you cheated and you said the guys you want to talk about were about seven or eight guys that were all going in the same range, and you bring it up again this week. Scary Terry, F1, Mr. McLaurin, whatever you want to call him. I think he's a great value. Mike, what do you think about Terry McLaurin? I, you know, besides him just from running one route, I don't know who his quarterback is. Heck, I don't even know who his running backs are uh, to help him, you know, take away some pressure for him, you know, opening up that line. So, yeah, I, yeah, I don't like him. You don't like him. Talk about Darius, guys. I did. So you do know who his running backs are. <laughs> I know their names. I don't know if they're going to be available on the field. All right. Fair enough. So, all right. So Mike is not as uh, enthused about uh, Terry McLaurin as Evan and I are. So Mike, who are you enthused about? Who's the next guy you want to talk about? The next thing I want to talk about is a little homerism and a little Marlon Mack. So, okay. Talk to me about Marlon Mack because he's a guy I don't know how to make heads or tails of this year. Yeah, it's really difficult. Uh, and uh, honestly, right now, it's kind of even I, – I don't even know. Um, because why we don't know? Because the stupid coronavirus keeps pushing things back, and we can't tell who's going to be – what kind of offensive system Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack is going to have. We don't know what their, their roles are going to be. But with the coronavirus, I guess that's positive? I don't know. Um, <laughs> that we do know that Jonathan Taylor isn't getting the work and isn't getting the repetition with the team. So I think as long as that keeps happening, then you're looking at Marlon Mack probably starting out at the gates as probably the getting the bigger pie of the running attempts, just because Jonathan Taylor isn't working with the team. He's not, you know, figuring out how cohesive line and how they're blocking and all those kind of things. He, he probably knows the plays, but um, doesn't isn't in sync with the team. So that's going to happen with Marlon Mack. And I could see the Colts opening up the gates as we keep pushing further and further down the line. Marlon Mack being three or four weeks in as the, as the bigger share guy. I mean, talking about 80-20 kind of thing. So is Jonathan Taylor less talented than Marlon Mack? Absolutely not. Um, but they're all equal as far as both are running backs and not really much of a receiver. Then you get sort of into the what ifs. Um, what if Jonathan Taylor isn't a stud? What if Jonathan Taylor gets hurt? What if once past, you know, you get through three or four weeks, um, they keep continue the timeshare to split evenly? I just see a lot of downside to Jonathan Taylor uh, and, then, and a more upside to Marlon Mack. And Marlon Mack's been a beast. I mean, it, it, since he's whenever he's on the field, he's not injured. He's going to run 20 times. He's going to average almost five yards a carry. So all of a sudden, Jonathan Taylor is just going to take all that away from him? I, I don't think so. All right. And to, to quote Jonathan Taylor's former castmate, I don't think so, Tim. I don't think so, Tim. <laughs> 
was it JTT or whatever? Jonathan kid? Taylor Thomas. Yeah. Jonathan Taylor Thomas. So Evan, uh, time for the uh, auction report from you on Marlon Mack. Are you finding good value for Marlon Mack because of the uncertainty there in the Colts backfield? Half the time. He's ranked very low, below any of the guys I talked about last. Uh, but half the time he goes for a buck, and half the time he gets bid up to 5 to $10. Okay. So, a lot of people agree with Mike, and all it takes is two of them in an auction to, to jack that price up. Yeah, I am. I'm not a big uh, Marlon Mack guy this year. I just, and, and Mike, ironically, it's because of something that you said, but I can understand your opinion evolving because of COVID. But you got Naheem Hines there on passing downs. And then so you got Mack and J- Jonathan Taylor Thomas splitting running downs. And I think Jonathan Taylor is the better back than Marlon Mack. And then you're going to run into a situation week six when JTT. Gets, gets a hold of the this offense and and kind of undoes all the things that you're worried about. And then he's taken over for Marlon Mack, and then you're boned um, for the rest of the year. So I don't know. But with where Marlon Mack is going, if you could buy five to six weeks of running back two to running back one production out of him, sure. Because Marlon Mack's going running back 30, pick 80 off the board. And he's actually going five picks behind Jonathan Taylor, according to this Fantasy Pros ADP that I'm looking at. So... Not the worst idea I've ever heard, but it's it just makes me itchy, the fact that he kind of has a built-in loss of role at some point in the season. Kind of like you, you can see at some point the tides are going to turn because the more talented back is going to take over. So that's what makes me a little bit worried. But at pick 80, you could do a lot worse than that. But even so, I think, I think that, yes, Jonathan Taylor is the better running back. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I don't there's no really reason to push him into like a high, you know, 80% where he's, where he's just benched Marlon Mack out of the, out of the equation kind of thing. I, I, I don't think Marlon Mack is a Colt next year. So why, why have, why give Jonathan Taylor so many um, running attempts his rookie year? Why don't you just sort of even it out and then, Marlon Mack is gone next year, and then you preserve Jonathan Taylor going into next season. I mean, that could be it, but there's there's a difference between this is what I'm seeing. There's a difference between um, giving Marlon Mack every single carry and giving Jonathan Taylor enough carries to undo Marlon Mack's usefulness. Now, the Colts did run the ball the fifth most times last year. So it could be a situation where they they both get 200 carries, you know, and that's that's not the worst situation the worst situation to be in. They ended up uh, the Colts had 471 rush attempts last year, so you figure a couple hundred to Mac, couple hundred to Taylor. You split the extra 70 between Naheem Hines, Jordan Wilkins, Philip Rivers has got to get his designed runs in, you know, because he's a <laughs> mobile quarterback. I mean, I I kind of see that they're going to be divvying up a pie, but they, they might have enough rush attempts to go around where both these guys could return value. I just, I don't know. It makes me itchy. I'm kind of trying to stay away from Marlon Mack. Yeah. And I think that's why he's RB 33 right now, instead of maybe an RB 15 or 18. That's true. All right. Evan, are you present, sir? Are you defusing yeah. a bomb? Okay. Yeah, I've, I've smothered the hurricane for now. <laughs> I'm not, I, All right, so who is the next guy you would like to talk about? 
So this guy is going well past the hundredth place and easily going for a dollar in most fantasy auctions. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders. Ah, man. He's on New Orleans now, and he's definitely not going to be double covered because New Orleans got another guy there that gets a lot more coverage. No, uh, you, just, think- you just double you just double cover Michael Thomas. You double, yeah. double cover Emmanuel Sanders. You double cover Alvin Kamara out of the backfield. You double cover Jared Cook. It's easy. And then you There's rush three. There's still three players left to spare. <laughs> yeah, and then you rush three. It's easy. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, I feel like for a dollar, this is a great lottery ticket. Emmanuel Sanders is a good player. Emmanuel Sanders has produced when he was the wide receiver two on a team, like he did with uh, Peyton Manning and Demarius Thomas on Denver. You know, uh, he's a little older, he's rustier, he's got some more injuries, but that's why it's a buck. You know, I, I like that. That's why he's going to pick like 110 or something. So right then, I'm doing dart throws. He's he's the one dart that's not got bent dart <laughs> thingies. Wings. What are those called? Wings? Uh, fins. Yeah. Fins. He's the one that's got, still got all four of them. You know, if there's one thing I got to say about uh, this podcast is that we really land our metaphors very well. They really <laughs> hit hard. They do great. Uh, dart thingies. <laughs> yeah, the dart thingies, you know. And Emmanuel Sanders was always a player that I kind of lost track of as, is, I guess, the best way to put it when he was in Denver after Peyton Manning left. And um, seeing him up close and personal last year with the 49ers, He's still got a lot in the tank. He's still got a lot to go. So I I had Manuel Sanders on my short list for guys that I would want to talk about in this podcast. So I'm inclined to agree with you in terms of he's still got some stuff left in the tank. He's going to pick 110 off the board. So he's in your reserve rounds. Um, he's one of the round 10 guys in this round six through 10. So I like Emmanuel Sanders. He's um, we spent so much time trying to draft the Traquan Smiths and the Ted Ginns of the world, because we could not accept that Drew Brees could not have a valuable second wide receiver. And now he actually has a good player in Emmanuel Sanders. And so this might be the player that we've finally been looking for in New Orleans. We finally have him. So he's definitely worth a shot there to me. Mike, you ready to poo poo all over this or do you agree? No, no, I'm going to, I'm going to hammer home because he was also one of my picks. And so if you're looking, we all know that the Saints play in a dumb, right? So he, Sanders has had eight total NFL games inside a dome. He mm-hmm. has scored over 20 points uh, in four of those games, Ooh. including double digits in seven of eight games. Ooh. And, and, he threw a, and he threw a touchdown in one and, of them last year. Oh, well, there you go. And then um, he just the only game he missed out on, he scored 9.7 points. So Trash. he's averaged. Trash. Yeah, get rid of him. Um, he's averaged in those eight games 18.9 points uh, in, in dome games. Guess how many ga- dome games he has this year? He has nine of them. I was so, going to say, he's got at least nine. <laughs> so, and so he has, yeah, exactly, nine games, and he averages almost 19 points per game playing in a dome at 100 and whatever, 10 pick, wide receiver, 45. Yeah, I'd take that any day. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a great call. So um, I will also talk about a an old wide receiver. Actually, I don't know how old he is. He feels like he he entered the league at 28 years old. But let me double check this real quick because I did not look up his age. I am talking about the number two wide receiver for quarterback that we already talked about. It is Marvin Jones, who just had his 30th birthday about two months ago. 
So I... Marvin Marvin Jones feels like he's he's been around forever because he has. This is his ninth year in the league, but it always kind of feels like he's been like twenty, at least twenty six or twenty seven. But he turned just turned thirty, and wide receivers don't really start to fall off a cliff till around 32, 33. So he's still got some good years in him. His problem is staying healthy. Now he missed seven games in 2018. He missed five games last year. So before you guys come at me with that, I know, okay? I know that he's been hurt. But in uh, 22 games over the last two seasons, he scored 14 touchdowns. And he's turned in thirteen over 1,300 yards. In 2019, he was the number 17 wide receiver in points per game. And he's going 93rd off the board. In 2018, he was the number 28 wide receiver in points per game. In 2017, he was the number 12 wide receiver in points per game. So what I'm trying to lay out here is that over the last three years, Marvin Jones has been a starting caliber wide receiver in three wide receiver leagues, not even counting flex, but he's been starting caliber for three straight years. And he's going as wide receiver 39 off the board. Now, I think what this is, is because Marvin Jones is coming off a down year last year. So he does not have any of that hype and excitement surrounding him that some of the other guys at this position do. And so it's really a situation where um, a lot of guys who broke out last year are going ahead of him who might who might not necessarily return that investment guys like Devonte Parker or DJ Chark. They are more exciting players, but Marvin Jones has been doing it year in year out. He's a glue guy on your roster. You do not have to start him every week, but you sure are going to be happy. You have him when bye weeks start to come around because he is every year. Like I said, wide receiver, 12 wide receiver, 28 wide receiver, 17. If he's on the field, he's going to be producing at a wide receiver three or better level. And you can just, draft him in he's going at pick 93 so almost um uh outside the top 100 so i love marvin jones this year i think he's gonna return great value uh with matthew stafford coming back at full health so i am a big fan of marvin jones this year i like it yeah i i, I like i like marvin 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 what about you mr hoofler how what is let's get the auction report Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Somebody's kid wrangling. Evan, you're on mute. Evan! Uh-oh. We lost Evan. So we got about two minutes left in the Marvin Jones uh, allotted slot. So, Mike, let's just be quiet for a couple of minutes. Just relax. Just <laughs> let, every, let everybody get their breath. Sorry, <laughs> I had water on my uh, keypad. Ah, okay. <laughs> so weird. Sorry about that. Marvin Jones isn't even going in like half the auctions I'm in. Really? Wow. And when he so is, he's going like, he's going like for a dollar. I think he went for two dollars one time. We we all noted it because like, huh? So he be quiet. So he is essentially free in auction drafts because he need a dollar to fill a slot. So if you're saying if he's a dollar player when he's going, he's essentially a free pick and he's a top thirty-six wide receiver. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. Come on. He's not the flashiest. He's not the most exciting. But year in, year out, he just chugs along. He produces. So Marvin Jones is my guy. So let's do this. Let's do one more time around the horn before we call it on this one and and let our our adoring fans get on with their day. So Mike, what is the who is 
how is, when is, why is the last guy you want to talk about? The last guy I want to talk about, um, I want, I want to, I want to talk about Mike Kosicki. Or Mike, lay it on me. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna kick back, put my feet up. <laughs> so I know he's your guy, but I wanted to take him anyways because I really like him too, and um, I, I I'm following the leader here and. Props to you for calling it from the very beginning, but I, he's awesome. So you're starting be- to make me nervous. All this Mike is every it feels you're like Mike Isiki's your boy. Mike Isiki's your boy. So if Mike Isiki falls on his face, I'm like, oh boy, this is my fault. I did it. I'm gonna blame you so hard. <laughs> it will never go away. We'll be in episode 353. Mike Isiki will be retired for five years, and oh. I'll still bring him up. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> so. Gesicki's in his third season, which, mm-hmm. you know, is good. And then uh, coordinator is Chad Gailey. I think he's going to really develop Gesicki even more. I personally, when I see that, saw this, it was like, perfect. Gesicki playing in the slot is just perfect for his, his uh, wide receiver, uh, tight end capabilities. And whenever you're in the slot, you're going to be targeted. And I could, I could see Gesicki just being targeted consistently especially the wide receivers that the dolphins have are really speed guys mm-hmm. and that's going to open up the middle for mike gesicki and last season gesicki was a top 10 in uh points from the slot so tight end t- uh whenever he plays the slot, slot position he was a top 10 tight end um as well as being tied for seventh in position for touchdowns and that's after a slow start for mm-hmm. the dolphins so, like first five weeks they were as well, what did I say? Uh, MIA standard for missing an action for their offense. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. And then they turned it around. And part of that turnaround was Mike Kosicki. I, I just, yeah, I love the fact that he's going to be a tight end 12 um, off the board and then finish probably the top five uh, tight end overall. Uh, I can't find myself really disagreeing with you there. I love Mike Kosicki. He is my boy, like you said. Um, all this Mike Kosicki love is making me nervous. But, um, yeah, he's going in the, you know, as a later pick, he's kind of in that class of tight end where I said maybe take two tight ends if you have a good quarterback there, see which one of those two pan out. Uh, you guys pilloried me for it. You guys said not a great idea. But I'm I'm advocating taking two tight ends. And it's part of my greater strategy that I'm trying to figure out how we're going to navigate fantasy football in 2020 in the era of coronavirus. I'm putting an article together. I have some ideas for how we could do this, but one of those is two tight ends. It's a lot of deeper rosters, let me say. And Mike Kosicki, he has all the opportunity in the world. Um, They did not add anybody of value. Everybody keeps talking about, oh, Preston Williams is going to come back. Preston Williams tore his ACL halfway through the year. Preston Williams tore his ACL halfway through the year, and we're probably not going to have camp. So President Williams is coming really far behind the eight ball in terms of getting back into shape. So that's going to give Mike Kosicki all the opportunity in the world. And then who else are you worried about? You got Devontae Parker, who will get his targets. But, I mean, who else are you worried about there in Miami? Like you said, MIA. Yeah, and even Parker, he was a nobody. I mean, the total uh, flop, total bust for, what, five years, six years? And then just through injuries alone, he, he becomes, you know, a, a player that they drafted him for. It surely doesn't mean that this season he's going to continue his success from last year. 
Yeah. And I mean, oh, here it is. They got Alan Hearns and Albert Wilson. So they got real retreads, real who's who of guys that fantasy Twitter really wanted to be a thing that never (laughs) emerged in Alan Hearns and Burt Wilson. Um, So there's not a lot of competition for targets. And there's not anybody behind him at tight end that's going to take snaps from him. They got Durham Smythe, Chandler Cox, Michael Roberts. Those aren't even real people. Those are Madden creative player names. Durham Smythe, Chandler Cox. Come on. You can do better than that, Madden. Try to generate some better names. But, I mean, there's not much to be said. Measurables are there. Talent's there. Going to put him in the slot. Stop using him as a tight end. And he's off to the races. So uh, Mike Kosicki makes me very happy that I did not have to bring him up. Evan, who is the last guy that you would like to bring up? Uh, two guys, Cam Akers and Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, they're two rookies. By the way, really quick before you start, Evan is the king of jamming, of not following the rules when we do when we <laughs> this out. Evan, well, who is your last guy? I need, multiple, I, need multiple, I need multiple outlets in case to see which one falls. My- you know? Evan's like, my last guy is Cam Akers and Keyshawn Vaughn. And last week, he's like, my first guy is these six wide receivers. (laughs) This is how you win auctions. Uh, Anyway, they're rookies. They could win over the backfield in Tampa Bay and and Los Angeles and do quite well. But one-third of the time, they're going for a buck. And, and, And I should point out, it's May. I'm playing with people who are auctioning in May. Those people know rookies. Uh, mm-hmm. Side note, side note, side anecdote. Uh, when we're doing these mock auctions, I mean, we're usually, it's, it's sports. So we're throwing out a few jabs at each other and it's all good and stuff. But once in a while, someone will have a complete meltdown and start being like, I am way better than you. I have played for years and won thousands of dollars. And it's like, Okay, first of all, this is a pretend auction in May for a season that might not happen. I hope you're on blood pressure medicine. And second of all, yeah, really, we're we're auctioning in May. I'm pretty sure come September, everyone in the room is going to be different shades of awesome at this. So no one's better than anybody else. Anyway, but when most of the people listening do their auctions with their friends and family, the hype train on rookies starts to fall off right about Cam Akers and Keyshawn Bond. It's, it's mainly about CEH and to a lesser extent, but still high, Jonathan Swift, and still Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift. By the time you get to Cam Akers, people might not, not have the money or even care about them. But I think they've got a great shot for a buck or two to be a, a, a top 24 back. Yeah, and I, I'm huge on cam makers this year. Not so much um, Keyshawn Vaughn, but I love cam makers this year. I'm a big fan. I was not a. I did not think Todd Gurley was particularly good last year, but he was a top. I think he ended up 14 at running back because of all the touchdowns. And I think that cam makers is going to solidify the backfield and get all that touchdown opportunity. He has double digit touchdown upside easy in this offense. Uh, his rookie year, he's just got to stave off Daryl Henderson, who did enough to get staved off himself and Malcolm Brown, who's never been a thing. Um, Mike, Cam Akers, Keyshawn Vaughn, what do you think about those guys? I like Cam Akers a lot. And just on the reverse side, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn can go in the trash. Woo. All right. I think that. Yeah, uh, talk, me out of, talk me out of Vaughn. Yeah, I, I, I don't like Vaughn at all. I think that he's someone that. 
is a little bit better than Rojo, but can't catch the ball very well. He can block, so that that's important. But he's not, you know, he's not going to be really used in goal line situations. That's going to be go to Rojo. And um, until further notice, Ogun Balwe is going to be the third down back. I I just don't see much of anything out of out of Keyshawn Barnes. All right. But Mike, you've always you've loved Dario. I'm going to lower my ranking of him by one dollar. Good job. I like that. (laughs) So it did change my opinion. (laughs) There you go. So Mike, you've always liked Dario Ogunbowale, though. Um, So I I am. I am a little partial to Ogunbowale. Yeah, you're correct. I'm so partial to him. I know how to pronounce his name without any really uh, checks. Yeah, that's I guess I'm a big uh, uh Oklahoma fan. Oklahoma. Um so my last guy that I want to talk about, he is being severely disrespected probably because he entered a situation after the situation everybody thought became a laughing stock. But we have a guy who lost out on a lot of games last year because of concussions, got pushed out of the offense, but prior to that, four straight years of at least 1000 yards. And five touchdowns. He's done that across three different teams. He did it with New Orleans. He did it with the Patriots. He did it with the Rams. Gonna do it with the Texans. Why? Because there's nobody else there that's worth their salt that's going to stay healthy all year to catch passes. I'm talking about pick 82 off the board, wide receiver 36, Brandon Cooks. Now, there is a big question about Brandon Cooks and concussions and his health. But... For a guy, wide receiver 36, who, if healthy, who do, if he doesn't get concussed again, is a lock to be a top 15 wide receiver, that is incredible upside value. Now, he's not a breakout. Like I said, he's done it four times before. But that's why at the top, I hedged severely and said, these guys aren't necessarily breakouts. They're guys who are great value picks who should have a chance to return top three round value. And if I'm looking at guys in this range that could have top three round value, I'm looking at Brandon Cooks. He has top 15 upside, like I said, four straight years of at least a thousand yards and five touchdowns. And you're getting him for a song. You're getting him behind Julian Edelman and Marquise Brown, Christian Kirk and Tyler Boyd guys with a lot more question marks than Brandon cooks. Now Brandon cooks has one big question mark, which is the space between his ears because he's had a bad concussion history, but I'm going to, I'm going to roll the dice. I'm going to take the gamble on Brandon cooks at pick 81 or pick 82, I'm sorry, to return top 15 value. And you know what? If he only does that for six or seven games and then he gets concussed, so be it. But the concussion is not guaranteed. But I'm willing to take a swing on that upside with Brandon Cooks as my, say, fourth. He's going in the the late sixth round? Yeah, 82 and a half. Wow. In the 18 18 auctions I've done, he has not once gone for more than a dollar. Even better value in, in auctions than auction. for a buck. Yep. So you could get Marvin Jones and Brandon Cooks for $2 in your auction. That's pretty yep. good. I'll take that. I'll definitely take that. You guys have any differing opinions on Brandon Cooks in this one? Or pretty much the same? No, I like him quite a bit. I actually traded for him in my dynasty league. So one of my dynasty leagues, yeah. Not a I'm bad. He's going in the late sixth round. Like, I almost forgot about him. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where he's going in a range of of, of uh, guys where he just ends up getting pushed down because people are 
there, like I said, people were laughing at the Texans and then he joined the Texans and people kind of forgot that, Hey, they don't really have a number one wide receiver except for him. They have a lot of twos. They have a lot of threes, but he's, the, he, he doesn't really have a, a, a big target hog that's going to take targets away. And there's a lot of vacated targets there with Deandre Hopkins being in Arizona now. So there's a lot of opportunity for Brandon cooks. A and I lot. think that a couple of reasons for that in my mind is a, when people think of the Texans, they think Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins. Well, Hopkins is not there anymore, so that just leads to Deshaun Watson. B, uh, Cooks wasn't really anything last year because of the concussions and the injuries and just sloppy play by Jared Goff. So he's already out of the minds of, of redraft people just because he wasn't available. So he's mm-hmm. a, become a total misnomer. And same with David Johnson. It's, I think it has directly affected the fact that people are now just thinking Texans of Deshaun Watson and Deshaun Watson only. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, you nailed it. You got it right there. So, all right. Uh, do you guys have any honorable mentions? Anybody that we didn't get to that you just wanted to shout out? No explanation. I want to shout out Noah Fant, pick 94, tight end nine. Fair New, England, nine. New England's top two running backs. Sony Michelle James White pick eighty three yep. and eighty nine, like those. Yep. Mike, any uh, honorable mentions for you? Um, I did think Sony Michelle David Johnson, but my two that I put on the paper: Anthony Miller, wide receiver, forty six, pick one sixteen, and T.J. Hawkinson, tight end, fourteen, pick one twenty four. Yep, those are both good ones. Those are those are good guys. But I had to shout out my boy Noah Fant. So all right. That will do it for this week's episode of the Football Absurdity Podcast, episode 69. And boys, it certainly was nice. So we will be back next week in the bonus feed. If you Again, if you would like to hear that, um, you can go to patreon.com slash footballabsurdity, sign up, and we will get you that lovingly into your feed next week. And uh, this week, I will be posting an article about quarterback luck. You found out a little bit of what I found in it with the Matt Ryan piece that I uh, put out here. Um, when I talked about Matt Ryan, but please sign up for Patreon. You can see the rest of it. So that'll do it for this week's episode of the Football Absurdity Podcast. Thank you for listening. Again, please rate, review, subscribe on your podcast app of choice. We would greatly appreciate any and all of that. And if one person listening told another person, then this thing could grow big time. But only say nice things about it. So for Mike, for Evan, this is Jeff. Thanks for listening, and you have a good one. Bye. Bye-bye.